This morning, uh, to begin our, our time here together, I'd like to share with you a few pictures. Uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll play a little game about it, um, but I'm, I'm going to show you uh, a little bit of the evolution of the telephone. All right, any, any telephone gurus here? I mean, you all have smartphones, but are you smart about phones is the question, right? Uh, first of all, anyone raise your hand if you use one of these. Oh my goodness, yes, right? Do you know what this is? This is called the Western 300. It is the actual rotary dial, um, and it actually came out in 1949. Uh, I remember as a kid, I'm 40 years old, uh, my first interaction with any sort of phone was one of these. I had no idea how to use it. But then, as a kid, I learned about buttons, and so uh, they actually updated this. Uh, you have the Western 500 1963. It had the push button dial phone, and, and that was a staple in our house for many years. We had a couple of them. Eventually, they kind of evolved to the, the longer cord, right, and, and the, the, the actual numbers that would light up so you could dial at night. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. But, but then there was something that happened a, a little over 10 years later, and, and actually, it happened through this guy. It's kind of a dark picture. Anyone know who that is? It's not Colonel Sanders. This, this is a man who did some very important things. Let me give you another hint. It involved that thing. The cordless? No. The cellular. 1973, a man by the name of Marty Cooper from Motorola was on Fifth Avenue in New York City, and he called from the cell phone for the very first time. Interesting fact, that cell phone, actually that's not the one he used. The one he used was a little bit bigger. It weighed two pounds. It took two hours to charge the batteries. And guess how much time you had to make a phone call after a two-hour charge? 30 minutes. What's kind of cool is, is Marty, uh, he worked for Motorola. And the first call he made was to another uh, competitive cellular company to let them know, hey, by the way, I just did it. Right? That was 1973. Let's, let's jump ahead. Do you guys, anyone have one of these before? Okay, it, it's, it's a mobile phone, but it's, it's made for your car. 1986. Uh, my parents, actually a friend of my dad's had one of these. Uh, and it was like this huge brick that, that had to sit right in the middle of the console or on the floor by the passenger seat. And uh, it was kind of cool, um, but very not safe to, to use while driving. Um, <laughs> Then I remember my mom actually had one of these. Uh, this came about in, ooh, I guess, I, I, I can't tell you when it was. I think it was 1994. Then there was this. Uh, this was 1994, the IBM Simon. Ever, anyone have one of those? No? Uh, this was the first cell phone that actually had the ability to draw on it. It also had applications. So you could say this was the first phone that had had apps. Uh, next was this one, uh, 2000 uh, Ericsson R380, and this was the very first cell phone that was marketed as, as, as a smart cell phone. Sorry, it should say smart cell phone there. And it was kind of like a flip thing too, so you could, you could dial it and then you could open it up and, and make notes or, or, or hit your apps. 
This was my first cell phone. Anyone have one of these? Yeah. Anyone know what it was? I heard a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Sanyo, the SCP-5300. Um, I remember going down to the mall. I had a buddy who worked for T-Mobile, and he gave me a discount. And this was my first phone. And the cool thing about this, anyone know what's on top of it? Camera. And the antenna, yes. But on the, on the flip part of it, there actually was a camera, so you could take pictures. That lasted about a year for me, because then this came out. The razor. I'm sorry, but like you weren't cool in college if you had one of these. At least I felt that way, right? So, yeah, the 2003, the Moto Razor, so slick, so beautiful. Um, couldn't do much, so they they came up with this thing. Any BlackBerry users? No joke. Like five years ago, I was. <laughs> I was at the food court at, at, at a mall out in California where I used to live, and, and I saw a guy using a BlackBerry. Um, yeah, 2003, the, the BlackBerry comes out. Remember this guy? Who knows the year that the first iPhone came out? 2008? Close. 2007. And we don't remember this, right? But the official name was iPhone. 2G. Can you imagine, like, sitting there? Oh my goodness, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And then, of course, after 2007, it seemed like whatever year, a new iPhone. I'm sorry, I'm not an iPhone user. I'm an Android guy. And so I'm looking forward to this. The latest and the greatest is coming out in just a few weeks. The Galaxy S24. Can you count them? One, two, three, four, five cameras on the back side, and there's also two on the front side. Isn't that crazy? Why would you need that many cameras? You just needed to, to make phone calls, right? I, I'm showing you those pictures because I, I think the cell phone and just the telephone in general is a good example of this. How things change. Right? Through the the passage of time, and, and over the course of just a few decades, we went from a rotodial phone to now something that we can hold in our hand that has more technology crammed into that than the entire Apollo 11 space program. We can do everything with our phones, and, and, and I'm not even joking, right? You know, you can imagine what is the next two decades going to bring when it comes to cell phones. Look at not just cell phones, but our entire world. And one thing is, is very, very much true is that our world is constantly and continually changing, evolving, becoming different and new. In fact, I, I would say that for some of the, I can't say older, the mature generations in here, you probably have experienced more change in your lifetime than any other lifetime or century or millennia before. Right? Over 120-some, 30 years ago, 130 years ago, people would have to come to church in what? Horse and buggy. Uh, you know, even, even a, a few decades ago, right, we would think about a, a family vacation and, and some of us would be thinking, oh man, we need to, to, to save all this money to drive and, and to now you can just, in a very swift moment, in a matter of a few hours, you can fly from one end of the country 
to the other without skipping a beat. Change is what happens. And change is, is, is not just something that, that we see in the world around us. I think all of us understand that change is something that, that is a part of us, too, on a, on a very personal matter. If you look at, at 2023, the last 12 months, all of us could say that we have experienced a lot of change. Some of that change, uh, we could say, is, is positive. Maybe we, we added a, a new family member to the household through, through a gift of a child. Maybe we got married. Uh, maybe we, we moved to a new town. Maybe we bought a newer house. Maybe we got a new job. A lot of changes maybe have happened for some of us and that we could describe and say we're positive. Yet there's also probably many of us here that can look at the last 12 months and say, you know what, there has been change in my life, but it's been more negative. Maybe we, we didn't gain a family member, maybe we lost a loved one. Maybe we didn't get a new job, maybe we, we lost a job. Maybe we, we had to sell our, our house. Maybe there was financial difficulties that, that led to us now living a new and different and unique way of life that we're not used to. Maybe the last 12 months for some of us has been a, a loss in our health, physically, emotionally, or, or, or even spiritually. You know, you can look at the, at the last 12 months, and another thing about change is, right, sometimes change can come very incrementally and, and slowly. Like sometimes I think about our physical appearance, how, how sometimes when we look in the mirror, we, we just don't begin to recognize the same person we saw even as little as 12 months ago. I remember a couple of years ago, my, my brother, who, who had moved to a new state, went to the DMV, got a new driver's license, and, and he, he was calling me on his way home from the DMV, and he says, yeah, Steve, he goes, I got a new driver's license, it's great, but unfortunately, he put dad's picture on the front of it. <laughs> Change can be slow, but yet it also can be sudden. Change can happen so quickly that, that it's left us just completely numb not able to, to function, uh, not able to comprehend exactly what is going on. In fact, uh, just two days ago, I, I had a friend call me. He said, well, Pastor, you, you need to pray. Uh, the reality is my father-in-law was healthy as a horse two days ago, but now uh, we just went in. He had some issues with his head. He got a CAT scan. He has two large tumors, and he's going into surgery tomorrow. I mean, can you imagine the, the numbing change and shock that he and his entire family are dealing with right now. As we are on the cusp of another 12 months, 2024, and as you and I are, are well aware that, that change is something that is an actual fact and certain in every aspect of our lives, and we don't know what that change is going to be, isn't it wonderful for us to do this this morning? It's to take a moment... And to understand it and know this amazing fact that in a changing world, you and I as Christians can look to God's word and be reminded by the writer of the Hebrews who said this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
If there's one thing I want you to remember from today, it's this, that in a changing world, you and I have confidence, we have comfort in knowing this, that we have a changeless Savior. You see, what the writer of the Hebrews means when he says that is this, that that you and I as Christians, as we look at God's word, the scripture, the Bible, we see all the evidence of who our God is, specifically who Jesus is, and what he's capable of, and what he does, and, and how he's motivated. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, as you look at scripture and you see those things, as you read about what he did, who he is, What motivates him? Know that the same Jesus you read about in Scripture is the same Jesus that you have in your life today and the same Jesus you're going to have in your life tomorrow and forever. Well, great, but what is it about Jesus that we we want to hold to that can give us confidence in the next 12 months of a changing world? What is the thing that that we need to know and understand that, that is going to be the same? Well, let's look at Scripture. You know, one thing that I think is comforting for me is knowing this, that, that Jesus is, is unchanging in his power. You know, as a kid, and even now as an adult, you, you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the one thing that just pops into your head is Jesus was a superhero. Right? The, the power he used to change water into wine, uh, the power he used to to heal all these dread diseases, to enable the the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Uh, The power that Jesus had, right, to to cast out demons, to to raise Jairus' daughter and Lazarus from the dead, the same power that, that he used to defeat Satan, the same power that he used to heal himself, rise from the dead. The Bible says this, that power has not diminished in any way. That he's still as strong and almighty as you can possibly imagine. Jesus himself said this, right? He looked at the people and he said, listen, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Doesn't that give you a little bit of confidence and even comfort as you look to the unknown of 2024? that no matter what we experience in our lives, one thing is safe to say that our Savior is going to be there to use His power to help us in our time of need. But there's a little bit of a hook with this, and here's what I mean, is we understand that. And we see evidence of His amazing power in Scripture But just as maybe we've looked at the past 12 months, there's been times where we've said, Jesus, why can't you just make this go away? Use your power like you did in Scripture to heal my loved one. Use your power to, to change my financial situation, at least so I can have a little bit more comfort in my life. And so while we understand that Jesus' power never changes, sometimes our sinful nature would like to have Jesus use it in the way that we see fit and is good for us. That's why it's important to understand this truth, that that Jesus' power is the same, but but also one thing that's never going to change is Jesus' wisdom. You see, you always got to talk about Jesus' power and his wisdom at the same time. I think all of us would agree, right, that, that God, our Savior Jesus, is wise. 
You know, when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple courts, and he was amazing people, scholars, uh, that had spent their entire life studying Scripture. You can read the Gospels, and it says this, that time and again, people, when they would hear Jesus speak, they would say things like, we have never heard such wisdom come from one man. Uh, Jesus had amazing wisdom, practical wisdom. Right? He always knew what to do, and more importantly, when to do it. He, he knew when he was supposed to talk, and maybe when he was supposed to keep silent. Uh, there's a couple of times, right, I mentioned earlier, Jesus, in his wisdom, decided to, ma- to raise Lazarus or Jairus' daughter right away, but yet in his wisdom, he waited four days before he would raise Lazarus. Jesus, after his resurrection, in his wisdom, he knew this, that Mary had to see him right away, that Thomas had to touch him, and that later on, Peter needed to have a talk with him. The Bible says this, Paul writes, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, and his past beyond tracing out. We can't even begin to scratch the surface of what our God knows and does with his wisdom. Sometimes, again, that might lead us to question a little bit. Uh, for some of us, maybe if you've been growing up in the church, you may have heard of, of a man by the name of Asaph. You see, Asaph was a man uh, who, who lived in the Old Testament. He actually wrote a couple of Psalms, but specifically in Psalm 73, Asaph is having a little trouble grasping the wisdom of God. You see, Asaph wrote in Psalm 73 the fact that he would look at the world, more specifically the unbelieving world, and he would see that everything seems to be going right for them. That they don't have any cares or concerns in this world. That somehow they're always financially blessed. They, they get to eat, drink, and be merry and have these parties and everything's just great. And, and it didn't make sense for Asaph. He thought, why in the world does God allow these people to live that way who don't know him, who don't love him, and yet here I am, a follower of God, and I struggle. Over the course of Psalm 73, Asaph eventually comes to understand and know the wisdom of God because he does this. He goes to the house of the Lord and he is guided by God's word. And he is reminded through God and his word that God does not operate the way that we do. That, that his wisdom is far above and beyond all of ours and so therefore we ought to trust him. Because of his wisdom. And you see, as he has this wisdom, then he allows his changeless power to function and to basically make sure that everything goes according to his purpose. Why? Because his wisdom never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is going to be times in the next 12 months and over the course of your life That you're going to look and you're just going to be wondering why in the world are these things happening? Why is God in his wisdom allowing this situation to happen right now at this time? And in those moments, just remember to look back to Scripture. To see how Jesus in every way used his wisdom and his power in the right purpose at the right time in the right way to help his people. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever in his power, in his wisdom, but also in his compassion. Again, you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see so many instances of Jesus having this, this compassion. And when I mean compassion, it means that he physically hurt for people. It says this, right, uh, that Matthew 9, 20, uh, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Literally, that word compassion means that he hurts physically when he saw those people because he was so moved by his compassion for them. Remember the shortest verse in the Bible? You know what it is, right? Jesus wept. That, that as he goes right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, it says that Jesus wept. Uh, you can read again and again other times and instances where, where Jesus' compassion and love comes out as he deals with people. That there's a time right before he heals a man who was not able to walk in his compassion. He knew that that man needed to hear these words first. Your sins are forgiven. Again and again throughout the pages of scripture, we see God as a God of love. God as a God of compassion. And just as he had compassion for people in scripture, he has compassion for you and for me. Remember that, because there are going to be times, right, in the next 12 months where you and I are going to feel pretty lonely. There are going to be times where you and I, in the next 12 months in our entire life, are going to feel as if no one cares, no one has any concern, no one knows the questions we're asking, the hurt we're feeling, the doubt we're experiencing, but Jesus does. You see, oftentimes when you and I are going through difficult situations, you hear people say this, I I feel for you. But with Jesus, it's different. You see, he doesn't feel for you. The Bible says this, he feels with you. That what touches our hearts touches his. That's evidence of his compassion. He knows the pain we're experiencing, the questions we're asking, the doubts that we have in our lives. But more than that, in his compassion, Jesus, through his word, addresses each and every one of those and reminds us that no matter what happens, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Why? Because he has unending mercy and compassion for you and me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's changeless in his power, changeless in his wisdom, and he's changeless in his compassion. But most importantly, we need to understand this, that Jesus is changeless in his love. It's that sacrificial love, right, that we think of most when we think of our Savior. A love that led him to go from the glories and the crown of heaven to come into this world as a little baby and to live the miserable life of a human. It's that sacrificial love that that led and drove him, right, to live for 33 years on the face of the earth and to do everything that we could not to fulfill every last bit of God's law. It's that sacrificial love that ultimately drove him to Calvary's cross 
where he would bear the burden of our sin and our guilt and our shame and in exchange for that, give us his righteousness, his perfection. It's that sacrificial love that through faith in that love and in him, you and I have this sure and certain promise from God. No matter what we do in our lives, no matter what sin you and I commit in the next 12 months or the rest of our life, know this, all of it is freely forever forgiven and forgotten by God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same in his changeless power, same in his, in his changeless wisdom and compassion, but most importantly, changeless in his sacrificial love. We know these words, maybe many of us who grew up in the church, probably one of our favorite passages, Paul says this, right? I am convinced that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knew, as the writer of the Hebrews said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Later on, Paul would say this, that neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything in all creation is ever going to be able to separate you from the bond that we have through the love of Christ, which never changes. As we step into another 12 months in the year 2024, we're going to see a lot of changes. Our world's going to change. We're going to get maybe newer cell phones with even more cameras. Maybe we're going to have some positive change in our life, maybe a new addition to the family, maybe a new home, maybe a new job, maybe a new career. We also are going to have some not so positive changes. Some of the people that are sitting right next to you a year from now won't be here. Maybe because they fall asleep in death or they wander from their Savior. Some of us may lose our health, lose our job, lose our focus, lose our confidence. But one thing that you and I have to understand and that God promises, a promise that he always keeps, is this. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same with his power to help you. Same and changeless with his wisdom to guide you. Changeless and the same in his, in his compassion. And always same and changeless in his sacrificial love which guarantees you this, your sins are forgiven. May God give us a heart and a mind that holds to those truths by the power of the Holy Spirit, not just today, but every day. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen.